Good evening, and welcome to Three Moves Ahead. I'm your host, Bruce Garrick. Tonight, I have founder and grand poobah of The Gamers, Dean Essig. Dean, welcome to the show. And thank you for having me, Bruce. So, Dean, you've been around an awful long time. I've for now. <laughs> Well, you've been long, uh, around long enough for me to uh, to recall uh, the gamers' games uh, back in I think the early '90s. But but I'm sure you started playing games before that. What, how did you get into the hobby? I actually got into wargaming by accident. Which oh, how, is how does that? One happen? of my favorite little wargaming stories that uh, I ran across a copy of Luftwaffe, the Avalon Hill game. Oh, I know that one. A bookstore, mm-hmm. uh, the suburbs of Chicago. Wow. Okay. And. Uh, being a dumbass, uh, well, thirteen-year-old, fourteen-year-old, or whatever it was, I didn't read it hard enough to figure out that it was a game. I thought it was a box set of books. <laughs> okay. I went home with my box set of books and was uh, tragically uh, dragged into the hobby, kicking and screaming because it wasn't the box set of books. The other, part, the other half of that story is, is that we never ever played Luftwaffe properly. Really? Uh, the game itself was relegated to the status of poker chips. Uh, it had little round counters in it, mm-hmm. and we used those as poker chips. So that's as close to playing Luftwaffe as I ever got. Really? Well, if that was the case, then what got you? Why, why did you keep playing war games if uh, <laughs> you were really <laughs> int- interested in playing war games? Uh, we just couldn't figure out Luftwaffe. But uh, huh. after that, we, um, myself and my friends, we figured out that there were these things called war games, and mm-hmm. we picked up oh, Battle of Bulge and whatever, oh, uh, all the old Avalon Hill games, and started playing them. Uh, as real games, then. <laughs> Good, so you actually followed the rules. Oh, well, uh, let's not push it too far. Uh-huh. Um, and and uh, <laughs> that was the, the, the old Avalon Hill classics are we talking about? Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Okay. And um, and I, I assume, so we're talking about what? Late 70s or so? Uh, early 70s. Early, early 70s, okay. So you're in the early 70s, you're playing all these... Uh, you're playing all these games and using them for poker chips, doing various things with, with them... Um, you uh what were what were your favorite game i mean how did you play a lot because i mean i when i was when i was in in high school i played or middle school high school i played a lot and then all of a sudden i had this big break in my in my gaming uh sort of history did did you keep playing have you been playing games since the early 70s uh yes and no uh the the break that happened to me was when i went into the army uh Mm. i had no space Okay. So while I had a couple of games that I dragged around with me, I was never able to set them up and play it except for very brief instances. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's sort of a break. It wasn't particularly long, but I did manage to play some. It was just very infrequent. Okay. Well, what what were your favorite games around then? Uh, back then, I, I was deep into Panzer Leader. Mm-hmm. Panzer uh, I, I was dying to get my hands on uh, the AIW game, Arab-Israeli Wars yep. version. But I was, uh, as I recall, bitterly disappointed when I got it, and I don't remember exactly why. Um, but then I, I moved on to sort of SPI titles, and I, I really, really, really wanted to love Campaign for North Africa. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, about that. And then uh, <laughs> okay. uh, I uh, played a lot of Air War, or tried to. Uh, as I recall... We never got beyond the guns stage of playing Air War, mm-hmm. so F-86s and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but the, the missile stuff just blew our minds. We never, uh, my friends and I could never figure it yeah. out. Well, the missile stuff was like playing, it was like having a uh, new aircraft 
appear on the map all of a sudden out of nowhere. And you did, I mean, they, they, were, they were as complicated. Flying the missiles was as complicated as flying the aircraft. The missiles were flying. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you had to. Yeah, you had to keep track of. And there was like the the uh, sixteen point facing system or whatever. Or tw- tw- no, twelve point. Sorry, it's, it's a hexagon, obviously twice. So you could you could face on the spines or the or the uh, face of the hex. Um, it was just all sorts of crazy stuff uh, in that uh, in that game. Um, but uh, but I see you you mentioned Panzer Leader and Panzer Blitz and you 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 wanted to play Arab Israeli Wars. I mean, I get I get the sense that you like ground tactical combat. Is that true? Uh, not as much tactical, more operational level. Okay, the Alpha Italian stuff and all that was uh, a big favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, tactical only. The Panzer Panzer Leader was down at that level. Mm-hmm. So, like for instance, I didn't really get into any squad level games or anything like that. that oh, was I got it. okay. Too, too, all right. Too does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that that uh, you know, I I bring that up because of <clears throat> because of your later history. And it's it's actually funny. You say you know you play, tried campaign from North Africa, uh, mm-hmm. and did, couldn't get into it, and then decided to to publish a read. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll we'll talk, we'll get there. That's it's that's an interesting thing. Um. So so let's let's skip forward because you know you are known as the you know the founder and 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 uh, you know of, of the gamers and the gamers for the for the listeners who don't know the gamers is. Uh, a a long time uh, publisher of uh, of very serious hex encounter war games. Right. Uh, the gamers does. I mean, they, there is the uh, what's is it? The, it's the standard combat series. That's the the, mo- the most basic one, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think that has. I have a couple of CS games. Um, they're like eight pages of rules plus the 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 game specific rules. Um, they're not that much more complicated than uh you know one of your basic you know sbi kind of games from you know one of the quadra games or something i think but um but there's but nobody's ever going to mistake it for you know for a for a euro game or anything like that right they're 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 clear (laughs) they're clear um hex encounter games with odds and 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 everything like that terrain effects and and whatnot so how did you how did you end up getting i mean it, it it takes some incredible leap to go from hey i'm i'm playing these games uh to well you know i'm gonna i'm going to design research and publish a really complicated war game how, how do you how do you how did you get there well, let's see. this would be another one of those uh lucky break slash happenstance slash uh how did these tumbling things fall together uh-huh. when i got off active duty the first time mm-hmm. uh i got married okay we're still married by the way okay uh, and uh, I needed to go to school because mm-hmm. I needed to get my bachelor's out of the way. Okay. So I, I said, well, what do I want to major in? Mm-hmm. And I came up with the word cartography because I like maps. Really? That was about as deep as the thinking got. Okay. I sent the new bride. We weren't actually together yet because mm-hmm. I had ETS out of the Army. Mm-hmm. To go look for schools in Illinois because I had a veteran scholarship I could take advantage of in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would allow me to get a degree in cartography. Okay. Well, the list is really short. Let's put it that. <laughs> okay. So I ended up at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, now, that's where I went to medical school. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, but that would that would have been in Springfield, though, right? Uh, no, actually, no. I went to I did MD PhD, and that was um, that was in uh, the, the the actually the, the the medical school in Springfield is Southern Illinois. I went to the University of Illinois, which is actually the Chicago campus, but I did the PhD in in, uh, in uh, Urbana. So yes, down down in okay. Urbana Champaign. 
So anyway, uh, and that, that program has since uh, foundered because the, the old fellow that was running it uh, way back in the day, mm-hmm. he retired. Mm-hmm. And he was replaced with a bunch of computer science nerds that have, have no concept of making maps the old-fashioned way uh-huh. with ink and whatnot. Interesting. Uh, but that, that's what I learned, <laughs> um, which came in very handy because the uh, uh, second part of the cartography program was basically all about learning about printing and how to, how to go to printers, how to talk to printers, what to do to printers, how to give things to printers. And this wow. is back in the day when they had real printing presses and no PDFs and all that stuff. Okay. What are, we, what are we talking the 80s now? This is early 80s. Early right? 80s, okay. Um, uh, he retired, oh, probably about 88 or so. So mm-hmm. I was right at the tail end of things. Okay. So I learned about printing. Now you're following a uh, set of uh, dominoes here. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not about printing and how to make maps. Okay. I also have a love of war games and no job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm looking around in the, uh, oh, I don't know, 85, 86-ish time frame mm-hmm. and decided that, you know, I don't like the games that are coming out now. and uh, I think I could do better. Okay. You know, arrogant youth and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I put my money where my mouth was and did it. <laughs> that's about that's about as deep as that thinking gets. Wow. So that was so you were published because I don't I can't were there were there games that you published that were that early? I don't remember games from them uh, the, back then. The earliest one came out in nineteen eighty eight. Oh eighty eight, okay. And which one was that? That would have been in their quiet fields. Oh this, yeah. That so. was that long ago? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Holy cow. Now, the the funny part about that is is that, that thing was worked on from about 1983 till it came out. So there, there's a lag time in there where it's not public, but it was still on the way. In fact, the, uh, the, the uh, map for that game, the art for it, was my senior project for my degree. <laughs> so, I mean, that was... So explain then. You, you must have known that you were going to do the game before... I mean... If you were in, in uh, you were in the in the um, in the program, you must have known that you were going to start using this map making skill to to make war games. Now, somewhere in the midst of all that, I decided I was actually going to do it. The rest of it was all tinkering. So, wow! I enjoyed enjoyed well. That went back into the seventies, uh, going back to the Panzer Leader days. I, I invented design, whatever it was, scenario for Comp Group of Piper. Which mm. was played on a piece of plywood, as I recall, okay. about three foot by twelve. Yeah, <laughs> mm. uh, it really was not a very successful endeavor. Mm. <laughs> well, you and you have all these. You know, you're talking about Panzer Leader and Panzer Blitz and Camp Piper, and and but in the Quiet Fields, wasn't that Antietam? Mm-hmm. What 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 caused you? What what dis, what made you decide that you're gonna you're gonna join this this hobby of of making uh, making war games, and you're gonna start with Antietam? Uh, that was uh, the the highest level of interest I had through the late seventies and into the eighties was uh, American Civil War. Your interest was you were you were uh, your right. American Civil War. Wow, that that was backed up by uh, I want to say about ten years worth of Civil War reenacting. Oh, really? So it, it was just something that was just something I enjoyed. Okay, so you did Civil War reenacting and and uh, before you got into Civil War game design. Oh yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so that was, so gosh, I, you're taxing my memory here because I had forgot, I completely forgotten about those games. So is that, is that the, the Civil War Brigade series or is that the, um, 
or is that the uh, there was another one, right? There was a the uh, uh, eventually it uh, they've uh, created the regimental. Well, oh, the regi- regimental subsystem. Yes, yes, it was an yeah. extension of the CWB, and and I just re-released the line of battle rules, which are, uh, are an adaptation of all of it and refined. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. There was some. Um, what was? Oh gosh. Um, I'm gonna have to look on the internet then, I guess maybe because uh, there, I can't remember what you had. Um, what was no, what was none but heroes? None but heroes was the first line of battle game. Okay, all right, okay, all right. I, this is I, and it I, was uh, also Antietam, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I, gosh, I forgot about all that. These the all, for, completely forgot about all the Civil War stuff. I was thinking, oh yeah, because you know when when I well we'll get there too. But uh, uh, my my first game of yours that I recall, I think was Hunters from the Sky. Um, but that's that's several that's, years later. Um, that would have been in the middle late nineties. Ninety four, I think it was. Ninety four. Um, so okay, so you so you made so you made uh, a game about Antietam. So you decided you said you're going to make a, you you knew how to make maps and you knew how to uh, how to go to how to, what, what does that what does that mean? You knew how to go to a printer and talk to the printer. What does, what does that involve? Uh, basically, it's a matter of knowing what kinds of materials to give to them. Mm-hmm. And the language that they use that describes what a print job is, mm-hmm. how it's done, and all this kind of business. Okay. Uh, so you don't walk in and say, I want to print something, and they look at you like, okay, <laughs> you have any idea what you're doing? And the answer is no. <laughs> right. But that, these days, it's much simpler because any, anybody with a computer can make a PDF file. Mm-hmm. And literally, you hand the PDF file to the printer and say, uh, please make this, and they will. So how does that change that has that changed the quality of because I I find that so I feel like some of the older maps in some ways look better to me. Um is that sim- solely a function of how they were produced or is there something about the old printing process that that was that was different? Uh let's see. The old printing process involved a series of overlays mm-hmm. on plastic which had to be registered perfectly. Ah, I see. Okay, so that's why you get that 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 uh, color mismatch sometimes. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. You can see a hole where it, where it should be a color and it isn't. Right. Uh, and then you tell the printer, okay, these things are going to be. This is such and such an ink, and this is other one is a different color ink, and it will come out looking exactly like you say. Uh, that's why if you go back into SPI old, really old SPI maps, you got things that have like two colors or maybe right. three. Mm-hmm. But what they did was they used the blue and they used the black and maybe some red or something. And then that's that's their three colors. Uh, right. Then you get into four color process printing, which we couldn't do back then with the overlays because it really you couldn't do it. <laughs> okay. But what would happen? Modern printing, you can, and then you get uh, cyan, magenta, uh, black, and yellow, and then you can make any color you want. But the problem, uh, if it's a problem. Uh, with four color process printing is that things come out a little bit fuzzier mm-hmm. than they do uh, back in the old way of doing yeah that's maybe what i'm that's maybe what I'm noticing although maybe it's also art design too i mean I, I i think that you know redmond simonson was such a such an amazing uh graphic designer that i think he he was so far ahead of his time that it's a lot of his maps just look so so great but there is so yeah the, but that fuzziness i do definitely notice so that's that's something to do with the process itself huh Right, very much so. Okay. Uh, and you can do anything you want, and it's it's basically a just a series of dot overlays on each other that make it look like the colors, but they're not as vivid, they're not as crisp. Uh, and then you have this tendency to go overboard because it's so easy to do, and doing a lot of different little things that you think look really cute on the screen, but then when they come out, they kind of muddy up and it 
it doesn't look as great. Interesting. But that's a product of the, the, the machinery involved, and there's nothing much that an artist can do. Uh, Redmond was a genius in what he did because he milked the couple of colors that they allowed him to use to the very limit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because his, I mean, I, I, I just pull out some, some, some games, some old SBI games, and I look at them, and I'm like, gosh, this just looks, I mean, it looks so crisp and nice and clean and, and just really it evokes the, the whatever you know battle that it's 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 yeah i, I agree i agree i agree using the the term genius uh, when you when you talk about redmond um but uh is that is that the case that that now i mean you're talking about the four color process but is there is there some new thing now that that's uh, that's a different kind of uh, what 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 do, how are games printed now you said there's a pdf file um oh, that's just how you introduce the uh artwork to the printer is very different mm. uh, we were when the gamers, well, actually, after my accident with my hands in the military, uh, we, we had literally were forced into adopting computer methods of art design. Okay. Before that, it was all pen and ink on plastic. And you were doing the pen and ink. You're saying? Oh yeah, very much so. And then you were, and then you were on for physically unable to do it afterwards. Yes. Okay. Uh, in fact, the objective Schmidt map. Mm-hmm. If anybody has that old relic around, yeah, <laughs> that mm-hmm. was the last map that I was able to do with my hands. Okay. Uh, and I literally did that thing at the last minute uh-huh. because we had tried to switch over already to computers. Okay. And somebody could output the files for us. So we couldn't give a file of any sort to a printer while the printers were doing the old-fashioned way still mm-hmm. uh, to let them print the thing. So I literally did this thing at the last minute with my hands and bandages to, uh, yeah, that was the last mm-hmm real map i ever did my gosh can i just ask what what happened i mean that was that sounds terrible uh i was at the at in fort mccoy wisconsin uh-huh. in the illinois army national guard uh-huh. as a uh first lieutenant mm-hmm. and i was the mortar platoon leader of this infantry company mm. we were running a mortar firing range well i was senior guy on the range i was range officer and we had we, always, we were operating with some kind of World War II ammunition that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. So we very frequently had misfires and had to extract rounds out of tubes and all this other stuff. We did mm-hmm. it over and over and over again. We had that wow. operation down pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, up to and including this round, which we followed the procedure down the letter, and it proceeded to fire while it was being extracted. Oh, gosh. Uh, at which point uh, I lost both of my thumbs, essentially. Uh, one was uh, completely ripped off the body. The other one, all the meat was taken off, uh-huh. which was good enough. Um, and then they were both amputated and got yada yada after that. Oh gosh! So that uh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. That's a that's an awful. I mean, you were you were that was a time when you obviously were planning on doing all the things that you did with your hands. Oh yes, in fact, I did. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, I, I was saying that you had, you know, obviously you were doing that. You had you had a career that, uh, you know, training that would that cause you to do that. But, uh, well, that sounds <clears throat> it sounds like um, like computers were then a, were then kind of a saving grace then, I guess. Oh, yes. Yes. In uh-huh. fact, it was from the hospital bed that I decided that I needed to make this transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody thought it would be possible at the time hmm. because it was just beyond the capabilities of the machinery that was uh, that. This was uh, 1991. By okay. 1990. 1990. 1991. 90, right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sent the wife uh, shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Spent an enormous amount of money. 
or Gosh. well, we did mm-hmm. to uh, get a system that today would be a joke. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, I got high end graphics programs and mm-hmm. all this stuff. What did you What did you use? I'm just curious. What kind, this, this, kind this, of stuff? Uh, at, at that time, it was Aldus Freehand. Aldus Freehand, yes. Uh huh. Sure. Couple times, and then went under, and that's what I'm still using today. And if my old clunker machine here dies on me, I've got a problem. Okay. Because I never made the transition to Illustrator. Uh-huh. I had Illustrator way back then and didn't like it. So, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, at some point, I'll probably have to make the transition. But transition. I don't want to. So here I am. Okay. Well. <laughs> all right. Well, then I'm, I'm here. I'm knock on wood for your uh, for your old uh, clunker machine to to just right. keep running. So. Um, Wow, so you're talking early '90s, okay? So you've you've put out a couple games, uh, and now it's the early '90s, and you have to you're you're completely re having to redo your whole um, approach to your to your business. Um, how how did how did you climb out of that one? What what uh, what were what was the process? What how did what were the steps? What did you what did, what did you publish? Um, we tried to do an objective Schmidt using the computer. Uh, I sent off the files, which I think were raw freehand files at uh-huh. that point, because uh-huh. nobody knew what to do at a PDF or an EPS or any of that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, sent those off to an outfit in Boston, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And they proceeded to tell me they couldn't output it. And I said, well, why not? So, well, the file's too big. Well, oh. okay, how, big does, how big can it be? Mm-hmm. And they said, no more than one megabyte. Oh, okay. Which, in, I guess, in 1991 terms, is a really big file. Right. Now, uh, at this point, I hung up on the guy uh-huh. because my hex grid was more than one muggy bike. Uh-huh. So I was already out of business if I needed to do a game map. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, that, that project, we had to revert back to doing it by hand, literally. And then the next game was uh, Baron Victory. And that was the first one that we got them to output files for. And if somebody has... The original, not I think there was a second edition, but sure. Now. Uh, the original of that game, and they look at the maps, they can see that the files weren't big enough to do the whole map all at once. So what they had was uh, a left and a right, and they assembled it. So there's a little tiny boundary, border, hole, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, between the two halves going left and right. And that's where the film went. That's as far as the film could go. And that map would have been the first one that was done in process colors. I see, and and uh, that was was that was that a, a um, I mean was that sort of proof of concept? Like yes, we can do this. Yes. yes. Wow. Uh, it, it wasn't great, but it, it got the job done. And then it just kept being refined from there. Uh, it was a matter of well, however much effort it takes to get it done, I guess that's what we're going to do. Wow. So Baron <laughs> Victory was Chickamauga, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's the Civil War, all the Civil War games. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's funny, you know. You, you and I have been in the in the hobby, you know, many of the same years, and and I, I think I missed you as as a designer in the beginning because I just wasn't playing Civil War games. Uh, it seems like you're you were that was what you were cranking out. So um, Civil War, and then the next series was the TCS. Yeah. Well, then, then, then I, then I got a boy, did I get a shock when I bought Hunters from the Sky? But, uh, um. Uh, so let's keep going. So you you uh, you got put out Baron Victory, and uh, what 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 was the um, what was the reception, and how did you 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 obviously you were like okay, well this this is going to work. I really don't recall. I mean, <laughs> it, it went out. It sold. Mm-hmm. People love like to play it. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like I said, so what I mean is like it went out. It people 
bought it. So you you felt like okay, I can I can based on my limitations and and the the hardware that I have, I can do this. This we can keep making games. Right. Well, and at the same time, you know, the the computer industry is going through the roof. And right. You know what what was impossible a week ago is all of a sudden <laughs> got it and, and all yeah. that. Uh, we had uh, actually it's quite funny for us. Uh, sometime right around in, in all that, uh, FGA came on the scene with their uh, War of the Sun or whatever the game is called, the, their Pacific War game. And FGA? Had, Who's FGA? Uh, Fresno Gaming Association. Oh, yeah, okay. It was the uh, precursor to GMT mm-hmm. before they split or after they split or however that worked. <laughs> right. But anyway, they, they were touting how they invented computer game art. <laughs> okay. And we're looking at each other like, well, we've been doing it now for several years. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Okay, I guess you invented it. Good right. for you. Well, so, so, so you, um, so, so, so you're now we're in the early, but now we're in the early '90s. GMT is is I guess they published started publishing in the '90s too. So it's you and GMT, and I felt like you got you were. <clears throat> let's talk about the tactical combat system because that thing, frankly, I mean, I. I don't recall ever having played a system like TCS until I got uh, Hunters from the Sky as TCS, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And you had to like set objectives for your for your um, for your units, and and you couldn't just you know. The, and the thing that struck me about that game was that, and for the listeners who don't, um, and the, uh, this will be a place to kind of transition into you just discussing your design philosophy a little bit, was that. This is not a game where you just have like you know the Russian campaign where you're like oh okay well I need to find two more factors so uh, this remaining unit's down here and we'll just move him put him in the stack and he'll just attack with all these guys. Um, you have this very um, very clear philosophy about how military formations are organized and how they carry out their tasks and 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 fight for objectives and what the supply considerations are and what the command considerations are talk about a little like what you what you what you put into this system okay well a lot of that comes from the, my own military background mm-hmm. and it was a matter of uh, I, I looked at my games like panzer leader for instance, mm-hmm. uh, and said well, why are the things that are important overlooked entirely mm-hmm. <laughs> and other things that are well, essentially physically impossible, just mm-hmm. run of the mill stuff you do all the time. And that, uh, that really rubbed me wrong. And I thought that players would appreciate a game that forced them literally into the shoes of the commander. Right. And they have to do the things that the real commanders have to do in the constraints that the real commanders have to face. I, I always thought that, well, isn't that why we play these things? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I can count the 34 factors and it's one more than the other guys got and all this other stuff, but right. that's not really how it works in real life. And I figured that people would really take to a game that showed them something. I always wanted to make sure that they learned something about real life that they didn't know before. Uh, now they experienced it and it's a feel and, and these kind of things that they can't get out of a book. So so, so, so tell me what... Uh... What, you 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 open Panzer Blitz and you say, "Gosh, uh, it's missing all this stuff, and this other stuff is is impossible." What what kind of things are you are you specifically referring to? The most important thing for uh, Panzer Leader or any of those kind of games is mm-hmm. they don't have any command control whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Right, the units just are all mind melded together like some kind of Borg. Mm-hmm. 
automatically start doing the things you want them to do. And if something happens on the other side of the map that is just a wonderful thing to go take advantage of, mm-hmm. just start going there. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, the ability of a real military unit to do any of these things is about mm-hmm. zero. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so, that, that's important. So yeah. that that's uh, and then and then you said the things that were physically impossible. You're talking about like the, their ability to 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 get intelligence like that. That that's right. uh, if they don't know that that machine gun nest over there is one step left. For right, right, right. <laughs> they just don't know it. Mm-hmm. And then even if you did know it, getting orders to this one platoon to run over there and do something about it mm-hmm. is uh, not a simple matter. Right, right. Well, I mean, you have there are there are certain limitations in the you know the idea of the war game, right? I mean. There are double-blind war games. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and you obviously aren't publishing them because they're, you know, incredibly. I mean, you, it, you, it would make the it would make the hobby a fraction of the size that it already. Oh sure. Small yeah. is, it is people small. can manage a game like that. Right, yeah. right. It's it's just. I mean, that's a that's kind of a project where everybody gets together for uh, you know at a con, and mm-hmm. uh, and they decide they're going to play this double-blind war game. And for the listeners who don't who don't know what that is, but you can kind of guess, um, double-blind is where there's a referee, and then each side can only see the things that they could actually see. And, uh, you know, they don't know what the scenario is. And it's, you know, it, 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 it's, it's sort of like um, it's almost like a role playing game of, of uh, role playing games and, and, and war games uh, melded together because, uh, you know, you have you have your troops. And then when they make contact with somebody, you only get to see the ones that they make contact with. And then the referees deciding, you know, often they're done in separate rooms. It's just all sorts of crazy. Um, but uh, but you didn't that actually addresses half the problem. Because uh, you're, you're with double blind, you're you're acting on the what do I know mm-hmm. and limiting how much that might be. Right. Hopefully in a reasonable way, but that actually depends on the judges. Often, frequently, they're they're not necessarily uh, that well versed in reality either. Uh, but the other part of that puzzle, the same puzzle, even is okay. I know that I need to go do this. Can I? Right. And can can I get orders to the people who need to go do it so they can go do it? Oh, and by the way, what are they doing right now that would be in the way of them going over there and right. taking care of this for me? Right. So, so, so that's very. It's clearly that's very important to you, right? To 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 portray the problems that actual commanders have, because you know some some designers, you know, and and it's 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 really a question of design philosophy, are are more concerned with recreating the general situation, right? You know, area movement with some things, and everybody's kind of got this got this you know bird's eye view of everything, and and there are other limitations that 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 go on, but you're your feeling is is that you really want to portray these military, these specific military limitations, and that seems to be to fit best into the scale that you're talking about, right? Because um, at the at the strategic level, you, you don't even have those problems, right? You're not you're not telling where those troops were to go. You're just kind of saying, okay, attack on that front, don't attack on that front. So so you have to find sort of the kind of the perfect place where all these these things come together. So so um. So that that led to so that's the tactical combat system I think but that was the that was the first one right the the first uh, or was it operational combat system I can't remember first system I did was the CWB Second right, right, was right. TCS. TCS. Okay, yeah. so because there's TCS, OCS, and SCS, and we and I, we mentioned SCS a little before, but I want to mention to the listeners that there's there's the tactical combat system, there's the operational combat system, and there's the standard combat system. And SCS standard combat system is is the is the simpler one that we talked about earlier. Um, tactical combat system is is uh, you know much more. It's like uh, it's a like company level, right? Uh, platoons. 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 Platoon level, and um, and it's very. Very much. I mean, there there's so many 
so many command problems uh, in a in a platoon level game because uh, you're trying to sort of ex- exert. Um, am I am I am I portraying this correctly? You're trying to exert con- command and control over a very chaotic battlefield where you know those guys might you might so, some troops just might sit there and shoot at things and and not even pay attention to the orders that they're getting. Well, they're paying attention. <laughs> what you can tell them and how you tell them and how quickly they can go do something else mm-hmm. is the issue. Uh, you used to think of this as sort of a, a command by remote control. Uh, you have the things you want to do, uh, but there's a filter between you and the units that keeps them from just up and doing it. Okay. And there's, there's a time lag there so that by the time the unit gets told, okay, take these tanks and go over there, uh, does that is that still valid? I mean, uh, by the time they get there, is the situation that you were reacting to an hour ago when you gave the order, is it still true? And you can get caught short doing that because uh, French Army 1940, uh, <laughs> you end up reacting to something, and those those particular Germans are long gone by the right. time they show up. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a process of how rapidly the uh, uh, troops on the ground can react to what you want them to do. Yeah. Well, so so, how do you how do you keep the the um, how how do you keep the players from getting super frustrated? Oh well, in in general, what in the TCS especially, they're giving you essentially give them a plan at the very beginning. This is my battalion's offensive on this right. hill or whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. um, and you come up with the best one you got right. because chances are uh, your ability to change it once it gets going is very small. I mean, within the details of, well, this platoon is going to be in this X versus that X, so that's fine. But, uh, changing the actual objective or which force is doing the assault and which one's doing the support and all this other stuff, uh, you're pretty much committed at that point. Right. So uh, the player doesn't get frustrated because his thing is going on. Mm-hmm. It's the thing he made. So right. if it fails, it's his own problem. But uh, his ability to decide, well, that hill was a real nice idea, but we're going over here instead, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's. Uh, I, I remember when I when I when I first played uh, TCS was that we kind of had a friend that I would play games with at that time. A specific, um, you know, he's just a local guy to me. I was, I was in Chicago actually, and uh, and we opened the box, and that was before obviously the internet. And you could basically read everybody's rules before they even came out, and you know you could see all the components, and people were having arguments about the game before it was even published. You know, we just went to the store. I thought, oh, uh, Malame Airfield, this is neat, and so we got it, and we opened it up, and we thought, wait. So we read the rules. We're thinking, okay, so we, I, we have to actually figure out our entire plan before we even start the game. We, we were thinking, gosh, you know, we've never played a game like this. Um, and it took us quite a bit of sort of, I don't know how you'd put it, um, mental readjustment, let's put it. Um, but when we, after we got, because, you know, we're, we're kind of the guys like, okay, we'll just set it up and we'll just look at it and we'll see. And, you know, I'll kind of push some guys over here and roll the dice. And, uh, and then we're thinking, gosh, you know, well, maybe I should take this home for a week and, and, and really try to figure because I got a plan. I got to make a plan. If that plan doesn't work out, then I've kind of wasted the whole afternoon. Um, so, uh, but once we, like I said, once we got the mental readjustment, it was really, really interesting to, to, I think you did. I do, uh, agree that you really gave the, the player a taste of how you have to coordinate all the things that in other games seem like you're just sort of manipulating game mechanics. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that's how I would describe your describe tactical combat series. Well, and one, one thing that uh, will stifle a player when they first are presented with that sort of thing is mm-hmm. they think, "Well, I got to plot out every move." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the old yep. games, yep. right exactly. down. Okay, every tank is going to move like this, and they right. become bots, and they start. Going, well, no, that that stuff is just going to happen. It's the overall plan, and, right. and it's that lo- slight level of abstraction above where they're used to seeing the battlefield on on their main map right. is what they have to adjust to. Yeah. You're not drawing a, uh, you know, where does every counter go? Yeah. You're showing, okay, company A is going over here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's Map exactly. Yeah, when we, I, I agree. Yeah, that's like, actually a great point because we did kind of think like, oh gosh, I've got to map out, okay, and I was writing down, okay, this these guys go here, but you're just putting down objective counters and saying, you know, this guy's going here, this guy's going here, uh, and then you kind of have to move through your, through your, through your plan, battle plan. It's very, it's very interesting. It's, it's, it, um, to me, it sort of actually, um, it 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 uh, it did things that certain computer war games now th- think that they're very uh, sort of very innovative for having done. Yet uh, you guys had done it, you know, whatever twenty years ago. Um, it was very impressive. Although it really does take, I, I feel, uh, um, you you and your designs and, and your games do skew towards the the guys that are really the real hardcore players that uh, are, don't mind sitting down and 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 completely uh, you know immersing themselves in a game for a long period of time this is not the hey let's throw this game on the table to this today and then we'll go play a different game tomorrow that's true you agree with that oh yeah mm-hmm. good good uh i thought we we're gonna have to have an argument about that well ah. excellent <laughs> so <laughs> so um well i mean so tell me more about how you, uh, because I assume that these these problems. I mean, you, you obviously were in the military, and 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 you have military experience that tells you, you know, what you can do and you can't do. But obviously, you weren't, you know, like a field grade officer, uh, you know, commanding, you know, you know, battalions and 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 higher. What kind of research did you have to do to? to and, and obviously, you weren't, you know, you weren't at the Battle of Sedan. Uh, as far as I know, so uh, well, there is. <laughs> so how did, how did how did you have to go about putting together that level of sort of information and uh, and 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 operational knowledge to to put into the game? Uh, well, let's see how to describe that. A lot of my uh, reading and study that I, I was interested in dealt with man control, uh, military theory, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to, to make heads or tails. And that, this was right at uh, my, my period in the military was right through the time where they were uh, really analyzing maneuver warfare and how, how did the Germans do what they did in World War II? What the French do what they didn't do or <laughs> what have you. Uh, and, and all of that, it was operational level, although it did apply all the way down. Uh, you, you can um, find the... the World War Two infiltration or World War One infiltration tactics that the Germans are using at the end of the war work pretty damn good now. Uh, so, and it, or well, then that's right. You're talking about the Stas Truppen and things like that that yeah, they uh, exactly. that they developed at the end of World War One. Yeah. In fact, we we in my, my unit we did a uh, an assault on a hill, and I gave them basically two sets of instructions: keep going forward and take out any machine gun nests you find. <laughs> okay. Was basically a World War One order, uh-huh. and it worked perfectly. Uh, the uh, 
uh, battalion commander was quite impressed with this operation. <laughs> okay. But it didn't seem like, well, okay, this is all we did, but it worked so well. And that was the whole point was that, yes, you do that stuff. It works really well. Uh, where was I headed with this? I don't remember. <laughs> I was headed about, I mean, my question was, well, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you develop this now? How do, where does it come from? I mean, so, so are we talking about, about field manual, army field manuals? Are there, are there books that you could suggest to people if they're, if they're interested in, in this, kind of, uh, this, this kind of knowledge where they would start looking? Oh, let's see. Oh, I got a whole library upstairs, which is going to all escape my mind right now. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll tell the I'll tell the listeners that uh, you'll email me a few titles after after we talk. And uh, yes, that'd be a good one. I yeah, can, let's I let's do that. I'd like to, I like to have the listeners be able having to, me to, stutter to for a while is going to help. Me, but... <laughs> that's that's fine. So good. Okay. Well, I'm holding you to that though. You got to you got to come back to me with some right now. with some titles. All right. So <clears throat> so you have um, so you have the tactical combat series. You have the operational combat series. And uh, the standard combat series you talked about, and now you are getting into the battalion combat series. Where does that fit into your uh, into your sort of? Wh- why did you decide you needed a battalion combat series? Oh, that, that's an interesting story in and of itself. I'm okay. Glad that, uh, <laughs> um, people have been looking at well, there's all these situations out there, World War II, what have you, mm-hmm. uh, that would be interesting to game. Okay. And had the OCS, which a lot of people like, mm-hmm. but the OCS was at a scale level that made these actions not quite that great. Like, for instance, the Battle of the Bulge is like 9 by 12 hexes or right. something like that. Too, it's too high level, right? The OCS it, is too high level. It doesn't level work. Yeah. So people were asking me, okay, well, why can't you make a uh, battalion-level OCS? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that shouldn't be a problem. We'll change the scale, throw a few things around here, and we'll make, throw it out the door. Mm-hmm. Thirteen years later, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the BCS came out and... Along the way, I very rapidly discovered that the battalion level was its own little beast okay. and didn't appropriately fit, like, TCS writ large or OCS made small. Neither one of those work. Okay. For uh, what reasons? Oh, uh, just the way battalions do things. There's, they're, they're more tactical than the OCS would allow, but less tactical than a TCS would allow. If, that, if you'll let me get away with that answer. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Basically, I needed to create something that captured the feel and the flavor of the way these this size formation does stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the OCS concepts were there and they work. Other other ones needed to go away. Some things needed to be simplified. Some things needed to be in, uh, increased in importance. Mm-hmm. Um, Every imaginable little knob and twist needed to be done to get it to be right. So it became its own series. It really okay. was not OCS done at a different level. Okay. And and uh, you, but that's that's very. Uh, I mean, it, that just started, right? I mean, I think that, is is last Blitzkrieg the first the first is, one. That is the very first one. And that came out just recently. Yes. That's uh, so. So you said that was thirteen years later. So that twenty. Okay. So like that. Yeah. so you're talking that in in. Uh, uh, 2003. You were thinking about doing this, but uh, it's taken that long. It may actually go back before I sold the company to MMP. Wow! Wow! So it, it, it's been in the works for a very long time. Wow! Wow! And uh, the number of iterations of those rules that we went through—it was the most tested thing I've ever touched. Wow! Basically. What, how do you t- talk about that? I mean, you're well. First of all, let's talk about the the because the the. Uh, listeners should know that the gamers is now basically a uh, a brand of of multi man publishing, correct? That's right. And and how did that come about? 
in 2001, mm-hmm. I approached uh, then Kurt, Kurt Schilling was mm-hmm. uh, the uh, yeah, you... uh, a guy we knew yep, yep. <laughs> that was uh, of MMP, and yes. a lot of that is uh, changed and is private and whatnot. And right. I, I don't have the details, but uh, I approached him and made a suggestion. Hey, would you be interested in buying this company? Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, literally, we we talked over that for several months. Uh, and came up with a handshake deal. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to get his lawyers to draft something that you could sign and mm-hmm. all this other stuff, uh, but he never did. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been operating on a handshake now for 15 years. Wow. And and what is that? What is the what is the agreement to do? You guys basically uh, bake games and, and they publish all them. the rights to the gamers stuff. Uh, we forward who, who has who are, they have the rights? They have the rights. They have the they rights. Have, okay. They have right of first refusal mm-hmm. on anything I do, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, uh, they own the inventory and all that other stuff that we had at the time. Okay. And I'm an employee of theirs now. I see. Okay. And uh, so when you say right of first refusal, that means if you want to make a game uh, and they don't want to publish it, you can— then I, then I can farm it out to somebody else. Farm it out to somebody else. Okay. Right. Uh, if, I, if, uh, if I submit it to them and they just never say anything, it's theirs. There's nothing I can do about it. Got it. I see. Okay. Um, so you're so you're an employee of theirs. So you're but but uh, I mean they've they've published quite a few of your games. Um, I assume that the relationship is is very amicable because you keep you guys keep publishing stuff. Um, so the uh, the 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 uh, the new thing you've got is a battalion combat series. You have uh, a couple coming out now. You've got um, you've got Hungarian Rhapsody. Um, which is... That's, that's an OCS game. Is that OCS? Yes. Oh, I thought that was BCS. Okay, so what's the next one? The next one's the Kazarine. Is that a, is that a Kazarine BCS? Kazarine is the next one. Okay. Called, uh, Baptism by Fire. Okay. Uh, it's very easy. All of us have had the mistake of calling it Baptism of Fire. Okay. <laughs> baptism uh, by Fire. Okay, so that's Kazarine Pass. Right after that, we're working on one that covers uh, Brevity, Battle Axe, and Crusader. Oh, wow. Uh, and then we're going to go to Russia with Kalinin. Uh, hmm. We had a uh, Yom Kippur game, and we still have a Yom Kippur game by Carl. You talked to him the other day, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but we decided, well, we'll slip in Colleen in before Yom Kippur, so we don't have three desert games in a row. Okay. <laughs> well, you have there's the Yom Kippur game. The, you have um, well, there's a there's a SCS game that's um, oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, was it Heights of Courage? Uh, well, actually, then there's two. There's the Yom Kippur right SCS game by that title, and then Heights of Courage. Heights of Courage, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so tell me. You said they said that the 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 BCS was the was the most play tested thing you've ever done. How does your how does your play test? Uh, do you do you have a team of people? How how does how does this all get done? Uh, well, uh, what we found this time was the ability to do Vassal live with each other, mm-hmm. and also with Skype, we were mm-hmm. able to get together, even though we're spread out over the entire globe, pretty much, uh, and actually just play over and over and over again, uh, and I was able to sit in. What, what I found in the past is you send games off in, in the old days to a tester that you, know, you don't get to see what he does or anything right. like that, and he said, he'll report back, oh, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, what you don't know is that the guy can't add, mm-hmm. or he never bothered to read the rule book, right. or <laughs> all these other things. Right. Um, yeah, that's tough. It, that perverts tough. What, what it is. You don't know what he saw that he's not commenting on. 
And if he doesn't bring it up, you don't know it's there. Um, but but in these days, you, you can see it happening live. And when the guy said, well, it's really impossible to do this. And, and you see, well, you know, if you moved your counters in a way that made sense, it would be possible. Then you, you know what kind of context to put his comments into. Right. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, I find it very interesting that the, the playtesters, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I that I play, I mean, not a lot. I mean, I think game game quality has been pretty high for a while but i'll still get some stuff where where i i read it and i think gosh you know there's no way that a playtester could have read these rules and not asked about ten thousand <laughs> questions about these and why, why didn't they address well, this you, every playtester is different mm -hmm. uh, discovered and obviously that be universally true about mm -hmm. anything uh but you end up with people who they'll see every missing period in the rule book mm-hmm but the fact that the sentence that's attached to that missing period didn't make any bloody sense, mm -hmm. they won't even notice that. Got it. Bring it up. Yeah. So you fix the period, and everybody's happy, except that nobody bothered to suggest that the sentence didn't make any sense. Yeah. Huh. Uh, that, and then you have people who, you know, can't see the trees for the forest, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, tell me, so... So with these people, do you have the same group of people? I mean, I assume you guys know each other pretty well, and 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 some some involved are, are go all the way back. Mm -hmm. uh, others, you know, may have shown up and made some suggestions or comments that seem pretty good, and and uh, that we try them out and see how they behave. Some some players have uh, interests or attitudes or whatever that in how they play that doesn't mesh that well with others. So you end up with people that you, you really can't have, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that close proximity to the yep. project. But uh, for the most part, you know, you, you got guys that go way, way, way back. And then other ones that are a little bit newer, but they've proven their worth over and over again. Mm -hmm. they, these guys are the unsung heroes of every game I've ever designed. They put in more work than anybody yeah. and get almost nothing for it. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, just maybe a game if you know if they put enough time into it. That's yeah. The play testers are just I I'm just I, I it's it's amazing to me. I I haven't done much play testing, but I've been involved in some, and you can really tell uh, and disagree. Dis feel free to disagree, but that you can really tell the quality ones, and you're like, oh my god, don't ever not play test a game because your your comments are so you know to the point. You bring up interesting. Uh, some people are good, really good at rules problems. Some people are really good at taking advantage of of things in in the actual gameplay. Well, you know, you didn't say I couldn't do this, so I just won the game in two turns. Um, th those people are really, uh, really just gold. But uh, I mean, do you do you uh, do you find that that uh, you can identify those people pretty quickly? Uh, no, no. <laughs> it usually takes a little bit of stumbling around to find out <laughs> what the, what kind of person you're dealing with. I and, see. And all of a sudden, it's obvious as hell. But at first, no, it, usually they, because most people, when they come into something like that, especially if they've never done it before, are very tentative. Uh, you end up with, uh, you have to give them a little uh, rope before they, you find out that they've, they're hung up on something in particular. It won't show up right away uh -huh. because they're afraid to make a comment. Or I they're, see. they're thinking that, well, I better play perfectly every time. Otherwise, right. I'm, I'm not going to be good enough or uh -huh. something. Yeah. It, 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 it's a uh, squishy kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me, speaking of, of, of that, like how the, all this playtesting, I, I want to talk about a game that I'm not sure how it can get completely playtested. You mentioned that you were trying, you tried to get into campaign for North, a for North Africa, uh, uh -huh. which I have sitting on my shelf over here. And then I've got something sitting next to it. 
It's called DAK. Yes. And that, as far as I can tell, is an attempt to do campaigns for North Africa again. Well, uh, maybe not the game, but the campaign. Yes. Right, right. I right. wanted a five-map battalion or bigger level game on that campaign. Mm-hmm. I wanted that since I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to make my own. Yeah. So, I mean, you, uh, how do you, how do you, well, tell, how did you decide you were going to make that? Because, I mean, that's, uh, you know, um, that's quite an undertaking. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. came out, gosh, uh, I think. I want to say 97. 97, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember buying that game. Um, how did that come about? Uh, well, in the natural progression of things along with OCS, uh, we did all those big Eastern Front games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't ready to go to the Western Front. Yeah, Stalingrad that, pocket, that, stuff like that, yeah. Right. Uh, right. Um, but uh, Tunisia came out fairly early, and it was part of the my interest to eventually get to the entire North, Afri- North African campaign. Mm-hmm. So it was one of my grail games. It was one of the ones I just had to do someday in my life before it was over with. <laughs> yeah. And... and um... And then you did it again. Uh, did it again. What there was mean? a DAK2, wasn't there? Yes, that was basically a reissue by MMP. Uh, oh, so it's the same game. It's basically the same game. Oh, okay. I was thinking, gosh, I got to buy it. Because I, I, um, I bought DAK, and then I was looking at, uh, at the, you know, at the, uh, you know, Borking Geek one. I mean, this is years ago, obviously. But then I said, oh, gosh, there's another, there's another DAK. And I'm looking at the prices, and it's like 300 bucks for a copy. I'm like, holy cow! Um, but I've got the I've got the 97 edition, so I guess I've I I have the game that I that I can play. Right? I'm not, okay. I'm not yeah. missing some some crazy new uh, research or, or revelation about the campaign or something okay. like that. Okay. Uh, your Germans are the appropriate tan color. I made them uh, grayish in the MMP game because people yeah. asked for it. And, I really don't like Germans in North Africa being gray. It doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just me. Oh, okay, uh, so I got the, so I've, I've got the more historically the accurate version. Differences, but you can yeah. you can download the DAK two rules online, so you really don't need to. Oh, great! So I, I can play DAK two with DAK. Just get yes. the new rules. Yep. Ah, oh, super! Wow, that was that's the best thing I've heard in a long time. Okay, <laughs> I'm, as soon as we get out, you're gonna that's so that's our that's our we have we have we have tasks for each other. You, I, you're gonna get me. Uh, well, I guess the test for for me. You're gonna get me some book names, and I'm actually gonna just download the DAK two rules and read them. <laughs> so super perfect. Um, so how do you, uh, how do you play test something like that? I mean, holy cow! Is how well, is actually, it? You, what you do is you play the beginning uh-huh. a lot, mm-hmm. and then see how it's uh, branching out from reality so that what you see coming in the future is close enough to where it needs to be that it works. So you don't get the, the Germans winning on turn three every time or something like this. Um, you play months and months and months of this stuff and you get deep into it. It's such a large beast that it starts to follow the rules of chaos. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it does. It can't differentiate itself too much from a path. I mean, it'll be a little off or a little different, uh, but it can't. It's not radical because the system itself is so big. It's got a lot of inertia to it. Um, so you end up with predictability, even though there's a lot of difference in what's going on. If that makes any sense. Interesting. Um, the, the, um, yeah, I can just see how it would eventually just really become 
like you said, the entropy is just is just uh, is inexorable in these kinds of games. Uh, what? Um, but <clears throat> I assume that it's at some point you know you've completed uh, completed a game or two of it because oh, gotcha. yeah. Yes. And the other thing you see is, you know, where does it decide that the uh, variables get out of control when you start dividing by zero or something, mm-hmm. and the thing shoots off into the into the sky? Yeah. Well, at that point, you know, I've got a problem. Right. So you fix whatever that thing is, so that you go back to the beginning and start running it again, and and observe, you know, how does it behave now? Usually, if you have a system that models reality, you give it the right inputs at the beginning and along the way you'll end up with a uh, a beast that behaves properly. What okay. it what um the, I I uh I I th- I say that because I I remember some SPI games uh, well, actually specifically in the next war which is a a, 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 per, a sentimental favorite of mine where in the designers notes they actually ask the players that if they ever get you know really far into the game can they please write to SPI and tell them how things That's came out. <laughs> So I, I I always wonder with the big uh-huh. monsters, you know, how how much the players the play the designers actually got to play the game, but um, play the hell out of them. Yeah, I play assume we can. The one thing we can't do is some people seem to think, well, did you play it forty times to see if it's you know exactly twenty uh, German wins right. and 20 Allied wins? Right. But no, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. But what you can do is you can find out whether the model is good mm-hmm. and the input statuses are good. Mm-hmm. And you end up with something that seems reasonable at all times. Right. That's what you can do. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a certain, I mean, as long as the game isn't completely unbalanced, I mean, there's a certain pleasure in just playing the game, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't do this. Well, especially in a game like that that's going to take you two years to play it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. If, if all the fun is coming out of the last turn when you find out you got 15 points and he's got seven, so you win. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody's thinking the wrong way because right. you know, what about those you know four thousand hours of game time? Yeah, didn't you enjoy yourself? Didn't right. things happen that were kind of neat? And right. you got to try some stuff, and some of it worked, and some yeah. of it didn't. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I, I hope so. If not, then what are we doing? Right. Yeah, definitely. I just it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, people people do want uh, do want a certain. It, it seems they want everything, right? They want a game that they can set up and, and play immediately, but then they want a game that that incorporates all sorts of things that you know if they didn't there's not a special rule for something that they think is really historically important they get mad about that Mm -hmm. um they they want it to be super balanced but they only want to play it once because they want to move on to the next game yeah it's just a (laughs) oh gamers we're all so fickle and crazy um but uh but i i'm i'm uh i'm i'm assuming that the uh well i shouldn't assume but i guess you can tell me i assume that things are going well with the uh with the battalion combat series and the uh the way that the rules have have held up i mean through last blitzkrieg i talked to carl fung who did the uh did the research uh for uh, just telling the listeners he, he did the research for um for last blitzkrieg and uh uh i guess he's doing research for uh the for baptism by fire oh yes yeah um, he's been invaluable carl is uh an amazing guy i don't <laughs> Quite frankly, having done some of this research myself, uh-huh. I don't know where he finds this stuff. <laughs> but he is—he is amazing. You know, I mean, people ask him, "Well, how many uh, operating tanks did the 10th Panzer Division have on the 14th of February?" And he'll say, "32." Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think he made it up. Yeah. So yeah, he's—he's yeah, he's amazing. He can find stuff that nobody else can find. It's good. Well, that's... Uh, quite a skill he's got. Well, that's uh, so you, you. So it's your job to to uh, to put that into a into a into a into a playable, pleasurable game. Um, you have so you, you're working on on um, the 
Kazarian game, and then you said there's going to be a um, uh, there's going to be a Battle Axe game, there's going to be a Yom Kippur right. game, there's going to be a Colony game, but you're, those are all going to be BCS games. Those are all BCS, right? And you're an OCS on the OCS uh, lineup. You've got the Hungarian Rhapsody, and also the Third Winter, I believe it's the working title. And That's what's that going to be about? Uh, that covers like the forty-four, the winter of forty-four in uh, southern Russia. Oh, okay. So and that uh, one's being designed by uh, Tony Burkett in mm-hmm. England, mm-hmm. and I, I um, uh, John Kisner is the honcho of the OCS series, so he's he's be a much better source for okay. than I am. But uh, I, I saw the thing being played very heavily at uh, the Consum World Expo mm-hmm. Tempe uh, this past uh, June. Okay. Uh, and uh, Tony was there along with like three or four copies of this thing, and it's huge. So uh, it's it's uh, quite a project. Wow. Now, um, you what's what's so so what's your role then in that? You said you said uh, Tony's the the um, the honcho for for OC for the OCS. You're so you're doing BCS then. You're you've you're, you've designed BCS, and now you're you're shepherding that that through various situations. Right. I'm effectively the honcho for the BCS and the line of battle. Okay. And I also do the artwork and what, yada, uh, the whatnot for the other series games as they come through. Uh, and I'm also uh, responsible for watching over the other series to make sure that the, the honchos of those series are, are moving the ball along and, and coming up with new titles uh, and they, that they're producing what they need to produce. Um, so you got John Kisner over at OCS and Lee Forrester at the SCS. And he also does the TCS games, uh, which are sort of in a hibernation right now. Why is that? Um, MMP was having trouble uh, justifying having both a TCS and all their ASL stuff and whatnot mm. under the same roof. Yeah. Uh, so they, they are, are sitting on it for the time being. I see. Well. I put too much emphasis on the sitting part. Yeah. It's just that it's, uh, they got games in the works, uh, but they're not pushing them out the door like every other month like some of the other ones. Right. Well, there's a lot of games coming out. I mean, that's a, that, how many? Well, you said that the, your that honchos have to um, have to make sure that they're putting out as the games that they need to put out. How many do they? How many do you need to put out? What do you, What do you think is a good uh, a good release schedule? For each for of those, each of the other series, I, I try to look for one a year. Okay. So we end up with the, those two plus an LLB and and one or two BCSs. So uh, whatever that adds up to be. <laughs> And, and all, all of these are all of these are being done concurrently, right? But they're different teams, right? Right. right. So because you you it would be impo- it would be really hard, I could imagine, to do a to do a BCS and a OCS game and and simultaneously have person working on more than one. I mean, that's just too much. It seems like you're kind of a full time thing with each one. I mean, one a year is actually. I mean, people think it's not a lot, but it's a huge amount to research the stuff and then test the rules and then test them again and then. Put everything but together. That they're not they're not doing the a game in a year because all these things are layered on top of each other, yeah. like the Casserine and the Battle Axe and the Kalinian and all that. BCS mm-hmm. is that all these things are running concurrently, and that they'll get released one a year. So a game might have been worked on, like uh, for instance, uh, uh, Beyond the Rhine. I believe uh, Roland had been working on that for ten years by the time it came out. So, <laughs> gosh, that's a, that's. We could put out a game, you know, just sit down, make a game, put it out next year. That, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, can't do that. Wow, ten years. That's <laughs> <Too fast. laughs> Yeah, that's um. I so but I mean, you're doing you're doing this full time, correct? 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so uh, it, sort of overseeing everything and 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 doing DCS and and watching everything get get uh, put in the pipeline. Um, and then, uh, but it's all sold through through MMP for the listeners. If you go to a multi-man publishing, uh, I'll put a link to the to the website. You can you can see the gamers uh, the gamers lineup and the stuff that they have uh, have still in stock. Now, there's a lot of stuff that that isn't currently in print, but you can get on Board Game Geek, um, except for DAK two. If you want to throw uh, put up uh, three hundred bucks for that one, you can get uh, as uh, as for the listeners, as Dean just uh, mentioned, you can get a get a very reasonable copy of uh, of um, uh, DAK first edition for a hundred bucks, and then just download the uh, download the rules. That's so, only because these games are hard to find. Yeah. So the, the the cautionary tale for anyone sitting there wondering if they should order something while mm-hmm. it's still in print is yeah. while it's still in print. Yes. Yes. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm looking here on Boarding Geek. I mean, there's a very good first edition uh, DAK for a hundred, but if if you want to like new version, well, it's 150 now. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, that's the problem that I find with all these games. You know, I, I, there's no way I can play all these games uh, in the time that they come out. But then once I get around, like, oh yeah, I really wanted to play that game about you know about Market Garden. It's like, well, w- good luck finding it. You know, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna pay yeah. extra on the secondary market, and uh, wow. so it's the hobby. Do you do you what do you think about that? Just this is a sort of an aside, but what do you think about the the um, the degree that the hobby has grown and the, the sort of the, the, the volume and, 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 and um, sort of frequency of games being released these days. It just seems that there's so many, and I can't imagine everybody gets to play these things. Oh, I really actually don't know. I do my little end of the world, and everybody else takes care of themselves. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, I, I think you can agree that Vassal has been a godsend, though. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that allows you to connect up with somebody that's a long way away and play at the same time which is the one problem we always had was oh who's coming over on tuesday to play well right, right. if you don't right. have anybody then guess what you're not doing <laughs> right yeah and that's i mean i assume that that would hold up play testing uh, in, oh, yeah. in the past yeah. yep oh. i've had uh regular testers uh that live near enough by in fact, I, I still see one of them and he's uh, we've been playing together since 1990 wow so 25 years yep yeah well too bad I, I should have uh, I should have looked you guys up when I was when I was still in Illinois, but I was I guess I was kind of busy at that time. But um, <laughs> you're, I assume you're, you're still out there somewhere in Central oh, yeah. Illinois. I'm still in Homer actually. In Homer, still in Homer. I say I have a uh, gosh, there was a, I have a I have an old HomerCon uh, like 2002 I think like program or something, but I don't I can't remember how I got it because I don't I think I wanted to go but I didn't. But I think somebody got me a program or something like that. I literally live right down the street from the little warehouse we had that was the gamers. We sold that back in 2012, I think it was, finally. No justification for the expenses involved in running sure, it. Sure, so. sure, sure. Well, so that so you you are do you feel that you've uh, I mean do you feel that you've gotten your your niche in the in the uh in the in the gaming hobby is the is You've been able to develop the things that you've want you, that you've wanted to that you haven't had any limitations, uh, either with you know the injury that you suffered or the, or the you know technology or the availability of, of anything. Oh no, yeah, I'm quite satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, I I mean I just uh, from my perspective I'm certainly I, I love the stuff that the gamers has put out. I have only played a fraction of it. Um, there's stuff that I really want. I want to try the um, there's a there's an OCS uh, France game that's. Uh, 
um can't remember what it's called um oh, pardon the, no the blitzkrieg uh blitzkrieg begins what blitzkrieg legend blitzkrieg legend okay yeah that's <laughs> I'm interested in uh, in 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 looking at some of that and some other games that that uh, do did do France. Um, it, it, the systems have become so sort of sophisticated now, um, and and I think one of the things that um, people have the people that know how to do it really can write rules well. So I think that that's been a big uh, a big um, improvement in the yeah, hobby. It can be quite scary to go back to the rules that we had in the seventies and read that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were exceptions. And I, I mean, you know, I think like Don Greenwood was certainly a, a master at writing rules that you could at least didn't have a lot of holes in them, but yeah, there's, there's, you know, a lot of those companies that you just read the rules and that you weren't really able to play the game at all. You just had so many questions. Um, but, uh, in fact, I was uh, interviewed by Paul Banner from GBW mm-hmm. back in the very early yeah. days. Um, and this, he was in my national guard unit. Really? Well, my company commander who knew him, uh, arranged for this interview and it was done in a barracks. Okay. And literally the only question he had over, uh, from my captain was, can the guy write? That was the only thing he wanted to know. Really? Yeah. They didn't give me a job. (laughs) So you're, you're interviewing for, for, for a job at GDW? Yes. Oh, wow. Because they were in Bloomington, right, yep. Illinois? Right, right, yeah, Bloomington. So real close. Gosh, are they? What? What happened? I mean, I assume that. I mean, the, the company folded, but uh, are those the guys still? Is Paul Paul Banner and I, I know Frank Chadwick still designing? Uh, Paul died. So oh gosh. Okay. Mark Miller went on to uh, industry something or other publishing, whatever. Uh, so he's not really in war gaming per se, mm-hmm. uh, but I think he's still within the. Uh, like the, the lobbying groups for um, industry and manufacturing, but Paul or uh, Frank, Frank is still working. He, yeah, yeah. Who's at the uh, uh, the Tempe show too? Okay, okay. And there was John Astell, I think, also, and Harshman, I think, was another GDW guy. Kind of, gosh, this now we're now we're really pulling out names out of the. That's that's getting pretty deep. But, yeah, uh, the yeah. three of them, the the, the Paul and uh, Mark and uh, Frank, they they were the. Uh, formation for uh, GBW. They were, they were GW. They were the principals. I see. Okay. And Paul died. Okay. Well, it's sad. Gosh, all these people that uh, I really want to get to talk to before, <laughs> before uh, just to wrap it, wrap the, uh, get, get the words. And I was, I was so sad that I didn't get to talk to John Hill before he died, but um, well, I'm glad I, I wish you, I wish you many, uh, many years of doing this uh, in the future. Uh, keep, please uh, keep putting these games out. And uh, thanks for talking to me, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, anytime, and I'll make sure I get this uh, book, book list. Please. Yes, book list, right. book list. We need a book list. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll post it for the uh, for the listeners so they can see some some stuff that they can uh, they can if they want to investigate further. Awesome. Thank thank you so much, Dean. I really thank appreciate you. it. Good night. <laughs>